Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16, these are God's words. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing, but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Amen. Thus ends this reading of God's inspired and inerrant word. There is a temptation when we are persecuted for righteousness, when we are persecuted for the Lord Jesus' sake. And that temptation is to desire to have our great reward in heaven, from verse 12, without having the reviling and persecution and slandering on earth. Can't I just have the reward without the persecution? However, it is God who has made us righteous. This is one of the consequences, one of the results of the reality of salvation by sovereign grace. It is a work of God. And so uh, the one who is saved cannot choose uh, to tone down his righteousness. Uh, and the God who has worked sovereign grace in us is also the one who has assigned to us our place, our place in our family, our place in the church, our place even by the whatever choices uh, we make, circumstances arise, yet all under the superintending providence of God, our place in the community and in the nation. Uh, and so he deals with uh, the temptation to desire not to be uh, so righteous or so Christ-like, which sounds insane, and it is uh, insane, but that's what uh, we're really thinking or feeling or desiring, if we're desiring not to stick out so much. And he illustrates that one with verse 13 uh, and the salt of the earth, and then he deals also with the temptation or the desire to kind of shrink from uh, our primary duties, the places where he has put us in family and in church uh, and in uh, the nation uh, with verses 14 through 16 uh, and the metaphor of the light. So first with the metaphor of the salt, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt literally here is moronic, now, uh, you don't have the I-C English ending, uh, but it is the same Greek root uh, as our English word for moron. Uh, and uh, they paraphrase the translation here, if the salt loses its flavor. Uh, other translations say, if the salt loses its saltiness. But we actually have an English idiom that perfectly matches what he's describing here, not so much with salt, but with gold. You've heard of moronic gold, haven't you? Well, if we translate the word moron, you've heard of fool's gold, haven't you? Yes. That's what the word moron means. That's what this word means. And so if the salt is fool's salt, is literally what it says. And wouldn't it be uh, helpful to have a translation uh, that actually read that way? If the salt is fool's salt, which isn't saying that it isn't salty, it's saying that it only gets called salt by those who don't look close enough or by those who don't understand what it is. It's not salt at all. 
just like as we're coming to James chapter 2 and we're going to hear seeing about faith without works is dead. Uh, he's saying there that faith without works is not faith at all. And so salt without works or being called righteous without righteous works or being called Christ's without becoming more and more like Christ is none of those things at all. And so God is the one who makes the difference in those whom he saves. We've seen that over and over again, even just through the book of Matthew, let alone through the whole Bible. And if God is the one who makes a difference in those who say, whom he saves, if he makes them salt instead of earth, but then they don't actually turn out to be salt, what are they? Well, they're earth. They're just dirt. They're not useful for any of the things that salt might be useful for. Uh, and so the issue here is not so much um, the usefulness, uh, where it says it's good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. Uh, the point is that the uh, the Lord makes a difference in the believer himself, in his nature, in his character, in his conduct, and that if he's not different, if he's the same, then he's just earth. Uh, and the throwing out and uh, being trampled underfoot, obviously he's not even real earth. So you can't have the great reward in verse 12, which of course is God himself, is Christ himself, without your saltiness. And yes, they did actually use uh, salt for flavor as well. Uh, I've heard this preached a bunch of times, and uh, those who have preached it have spent so much time on how salt is a preservative, not a uh, not for flavoring. Well, it's both. Uh, it's both. But uh, the point of salt is not to preserve the earth in this metaphor. Uh, if he said, you are the salt of the food, or the salt on the table, or the salt in the larder, or whatever they had at the time for containing and storing food, then the point would be, you know, what the salt does. Uh, but it's, you are the salt of the earth. It's uh, It's not so much... Uh, about being a preservative. The earth here is going to be trampled too. The earth here is going to be destroyed uh, in the metaphor. The earth is not being preserved by the salt. Uh, no one preserves earth with salt uh, or preserves the world with salt. Uh, the point is God has made a real difference in us and we should not be tempted. We should not give in to the temptation to wish that we weren't so different. We might uh, we would be right and good in desiring from the heart and praying to God that others wouldn't be different from us, that they might have grace too. But we shouldn't desire that we wouldn't stick out from an ungodly world. Uh, in the second place, uh, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Notice that the Lord Jesus has made himself a tiny little city on top of a hill. He went up the mountain and he assumed the posture of preaching that they were familiar with in the synagogue. He sat down to preach, and those who would not let a sermon from Jesus pass by without going to listen to it uh, went up, and they left. Uh, those who were having a great festival for the fame of Jesus at the bottom of the mountain, uh, but Jesus himself is preaching at the top of the mountain, uh, and uh, so he's gathered them to himself, and uh, maybe they've even noticed people who are down at the bottom giving them the stink eye. You know, those religious fanatics up there have to go hear the sermon. But he uses uh, this illustration in the middle of the light illustration. 
So he mixes his metaphors, praise God, uh, that which they tell us is bad literary form. God doesn't listen to them, and he gives us good theology. Uh, so he mixes his metaphor, and he switches to the city, but he switches back to the light. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. He's not here saying, be shiny, or light yourself, or even place yourself somewhere. God is the one who lights the light lamp. God is the one who places the lamp. The problem is, if the lamp is alive, it may feel like crawling off of the lampstand. Uh, and not sticking out like, uh, like it would. Now, by God's grace to us, if we are all, uh, being, uh, what we are in Christ in the place that God has put us in the home, that'll be very encouraging to one another and you won't, uh, you won't stick out in the home. Uh, and if in the church, uh, you are practicing according to scripture, maintaining good church discipline and attending upon the means of grace and God is blessing and using those means to conform the people in the church to Christ. The more he does that, the less you'll stick out in the church. Although sadly, uh, for much of the history of the church and almost all the churches, those who have been genuinely godly and maturing in the faith have stuck out uh, as a consequence of that. But when it comes to the world and to men in general, believers are always going to stick out. And so whether it's in an age of the church like ours, which is uh, in uh, a very low condition uh, after much decline, even in the Reformed and Presbyterian churches, uh, or uh, more broadly in the world as a whole, uh, God is the one who has made us to be light. God is the one in whose providence he has placed us where we are, and we should be what we are in Christ, where we are that Christ has placed us, and know that whatever comes of it, even if we are reviled and persecuted and slandered, as verse 11 said, that men are bringing praise to our Father in heaven, because they're reviling and persecuting and slandering for what? For our obnoxiousness' sake? Well, God forbid, although that's the case with some people, but for righteousness' sake and for Christ's sake. And God the Father is glorified not only in his Son, who proclaims himself the light of the world, but by the greatness of the power of his salvation and his grace, that he actually conforms redeemed sinners to his Son and shows that he has adopted them and indwelt them by his Spirit and united them to his Son, which shows forth in their character and their conduct. And how is God glorified then when we are persecuted? For righteousness' sake, and persecuted for Christ's sake, and also when those who are not persecuting us admire the goodness or acknowledge by common grace some benefit that they receive from God, and even those whom God is saving often see and understand that there is light there when they see us shining, and upon further inspection, what do they find? The light has come from Christ who is the light of the world, who is the Son who has light in him that is the life of men, and that the Father is the Father of lights. And so they glorify him then. And also, as uh, we could go and look at First Peter 2 and see as well, that they will glorify God in the day of visitation when they despise him like they despised us, but they will despise him in sheer terror because he is not just infinitely good where we were just 
imitatively good or derivatively good, uh, but he is also almighty. And so they will wish for mountains to fall on them and cover them. So let us be what Christ has made us, where Christ has put us, and let us not shrink from it, come what may. Amen. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for this reminder that you do save us and work in us by sovereign grace. And we pray that you would help us uh, to uh, rejoice when we, when your work in us uh, makes a difference, desiring indeed that men would be saved, not that they would um, despise and attack us for it, but desiring most of all that you would be glorified. Even so, do it, we pray not only in your only begotten Son, our Lord Jesus, but in us, your adopted children, who ask that you would do it by the work of your Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.